0: Make noise. Hallelujah, Jesus. Not like I need a microphone. Father, thank you for this opportunity once again to be among your people, Lord Jesus. Thank you for the opportunity to come before your presence again, Father. We enter into your presence as we come into this place. Father, that you would minister to us, O God, through us, O God, into us. Put into us, O God, the things that you need us to have, O God, in our life. Lord, that you would use us as your vessels of honor and glory, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father, for this opportunity once again to be among your people. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So glad everybody came back. Hallelujah. Last guy didn't run anybody off. Praise God. Hallelujah. They—they uh, <laughs> they were That was a pre-planned thing. <laughs> uh, hallelujah, Jesus. Get me technologically ready here. Got to get my technology out. Paper and pen is technology, for those that don't know. Hallelujah. Amen. (laughs) Announcements. Section 4 and 5, Combined Youth Rally, October 21st. It's quickly approaching. 7.30 p.m. I believe that's, what is today? Yeah, it's next Friday. That is quickly approaching. Everybody knows where Stephen's point's at or how to get there, right? Hallelujah. Expect a great time. Ladies meeting November 5th at 10 a.m. Come prepared for making cards for the missionaries and fellowship and food. 10 a.m. Christmas giving to Tupelo's Children's Mansion. Please give your offering by December 4th. And I believe that's $25.00. Amounts for gift cards for kids at Tupelo, correct? Correct. Amen. And that's hard to read, so. Veterans Day service, November sixth, prayer at ten AM, service at ten thirty, meal to follow service. We want to honor our veterans. Amen. God is good, isn't he?
1: Hallelujah. Well, we're together again, just praising the Lord. We're together again, in one accord, something good is gonna happen, something good is in store. We're together again, sing it like you mean it. Just praising the Lord. Well, we're together again. Oh, hallelujah. Just praising the Lord. We're together again. In one accord. Something good is gonna happen. Something good is in store. We're together again. Well, just praising the Lord. Oh, yeah. Well, we're together again. Just praising the Lord. We're together again. Oh, yes, we are in one accord. Something good is going to happen. Something good is in store. We're together again. Oh, yes, we are. Just praising the Lord. We're so thankful to be together today. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, go ahead in Jesus' name. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, God. Hallelujah.
0: Hallelujah. We're so special to Him, church. Every one of us is unique and special to God today. In Jesus' name. Who am I that
1: you are mindful of me, that you hear me when I call? And is it true that you are thinking of me, how you love me, it's amazing, well who am I that you are mindful of me, that you hear me when I call? And is it true that you are thinking of me? How you love me? It's amazing. I am a friend of God. I am a friend of God. I am a friend of God. He calls me friend. Oh, I am a friend of God, I am a friend of God, I am a friend of God. He calls me friend, well, who am I that you are mindful of me, that you hear me when I call? And is it true that you are thinking of me? How you love me. It's amazing. Oh, I am a friend of God. I am a friend of God. I am a friend of God. He calls me friend. Oh, I am a friend of God. I am a friend of God. I am a friend of God. He calls me friend. For well, He's God Almighty. Lord of glory, you have called me friend. Oh, God Almighty, Lord of glory, you have called me friend. One more time. Oh, God Almighty, Lord of glory, you have called me friend. Oh, I am a friend of God. I am a friend of God. I am a friend of God. He calls me friend. Oh yes, oh I am a friend of God. I am a friend of God. I am a friend of God. He calls me friend. Oh, I am a Friend of God. I am a Friend of God. I am a Friend of God. He calls me friend. Oh, I am a Friend of God. I am a Friend of God. I am a friend of God. He calls me friend. Oh, God, we thank you, Jesus. Worthy God. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, Jesus, The blood that Jesus shed for me way back on Calvary. It's the blood that keeps me straying from day to day. It will never lose its power, for it reaches to the highest mountains, and it flows to the lowest valley. Oh, the blood that gives me strength from day to day, it will never lose its power. The soothes my doubts and calms my fears. And it dries all my tears The blood that gives me strength From day to day It will never lose its power For it reaches to the highest mountain, and it flows to the lowest valley, oh, it's the blood that gives me strength from day. Today, it will never lose its power, the blood that Jesus shed for me way back on Calvary. The blood that gives me strength From day to day It will never lose its power For it reaches to the highest mountain lowest valley oh it's the blood that gives me strength from day to day it will never lose its power for it reaches
2: God, aren't you thankful for the blood of Jesus Christ that was shed for us, that was shed for our propitiation. He took the just punishment of our sins upon himself. Praise God. He's worthy of our worship and he's worthy of our praise today. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. You're an awesome God. You died for me. You died for my sins. You paid the price for me. Hallelujah, Jesus. I am so thankful for you. I am so thankful for your sacrifice. The spilt blood of Jesus that was spilt because of me. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Without Jesus, church, we are without hope. We have no hope at all without Jesus Christ. We cannot pay the price for our sins ourselves. Not all of eternity. Eternity is not long enough. But because Jesus was sinless, He lived a sinless life. He was the perfect Lamb. He was the perfect sacrifice. He could not only pay for my sins, He could pay for your sins. And for the sins of all the men and all the women that have ever lived in all the world. Praise God, and that is God's hope, and that is God's plan for each and every person, that He comes to a saving knowledge, He comes to a place of repentance, and has His blood applied to their lives as well. Praise God. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for standing. You can be seated for just a moment. Sister Becker, if you'd come. Amen. We have a presentation that we'd like to present. Amen. Because we are very thankful for this particular person.
3: Praise the Lord. For the last six months, um, we as a church have enjoyed having live music in our services, have we not? We've had a piano player. Um, Sister Barb Wendland stepped up just over six months ago when we didn't have anything and let us know hey, I know how to play the piano. I'm willing to allow God to use me in my gift that he gave me. I'm willing to give it back to the church. Um, She has decided to step down due to health reasons, but we want her to know we appreciate all that she's done. It's been a huge commitment. I know sometimes we just think, oh, we just get up here and sing. We just get up here and play. But it's it's a commitment of time, the two of us coming together to practice, Sister Barb practicing at home on her own. It, it's a huge commitment. And we just It's a small token, Sister Barb, but we want you to know we have appreciated you using your gifts for God.
2: Amen. What a blessing you've been, Sister Barb. Thank you so very much for stepping up when we needed someone. I understand your reasons why, and it, she's a little frustrated by it, but I know she enjoyed playing, and I hope you. I hope you still play at home. Amen, praise God. But thank you so much. Amen. I'd like to welcome our visitor uh, this morning, uh, Wendy Mann. We spoke just a few times on the phone. Such a delightful young lady. Amen. We're we're so thankful to have you with us this morning. Praise God. Amen. Today. Uh, We are going to be talking for a few minutes on uh, the idea of individuals that are committed to growth, being a people that's committed to growth, a church that is committed to growth. Matthew chapter 25, verses 14 through 30, we'll be reading for half the time here, verses 14 through 30, this is a familiar Uh, passage of scripture for some of us, maybe not so familiar for others. But Jesus is talking and he begins like this. For the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. And unto one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to every man according to his several ability. And straightway he took his journey. Then he that had received the five talents went and traded with the same and made them other five talents. And likewise, he that had received two, he also gained other two. But he that had received one went and digged in the earth and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants cometh and reckoneth with them. And so he that had received five talents came and brought other five talents, saying, Lord, thou deliverest unto me five talents. Behold, I have gained beside them five talents more. And he which had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew thee, that thou art an hard man, reaping where thou hast not sown, and gathering where thou hast not strawed. And I was afraid, and went, and hid thy talent in the earth. Lo, there thou, there thou hast that is thine. His Lord answered and said unto him, Thou wicked and slothful servant, thou knewest that I reap where I sowed not, and gathered where I have not strawed. Thou oughtest therefore to have put thy money my money to the exchanger's. And then at my coming, I should have received mine own with usury. Take therefore the talents from him, and give it unto him which hath ten talents; for unto every one that hath shall be given, and he shall have abundance, but from him that hath not shall be taken away even that which he hath. And cast ye the unprofitable servant into outer darkness, there it shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Amen. Let's pray one more time and ask the Lord to bless the remainder of His service today. Lord Jesus, we are so thankful for all that You have shown us thus far. All that we have received of You. We bless You. We laud and we magnify You for all of these things, for who You are and for what You've done. Thank You, Jesus, for what You have yet to do in this service. Let Your perfect will be accomplished. Let all of Your heart be manifest. And let Your name be glorified here today. These things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for standing. You can be seated. Has anyone ever succeeded in planting a garden? Okay. I've not tried it. Uh, When I was growing up, my dad had... We lived on a 40-acre hobby farm, and uh, he had this huge garden. At the time, it seemed like it was from here to... Loy, long, and um, about this wide. And whenever the weeds popped up, we'd me and my brother we'd get the hoe out and we'd start hoeing for a while. And of course, there was, there was no shade, there was hot sun. and um, I hated that garden. I despised it. However, I can't deny loving what it produced. I cannot deny that I loved the potatoes and I loved the pickles that mom would make from the cucumbers and I loved the onions. I loved the onions. The corn, oh it was so good. Everything was so good. But it was it was probably even more so because of all the blood, sweat and tears that I put into that wretched garden. To produce something good. My wife has is, is, uh, planted gardens uh, since we've been married. And I have to say that the tomatoes that she produces, uh, I don't really like. Because I don't like tomatoes particularly. However, one time she, uh, she dried them out in a dehydrator and powdered them. And from that powder she made this wonderful Vibrant, robust tomato sauce, and it was the best tomato sauce I've ever had. I love sauces. Um, uh, I'm a fan of ketchup. I like ketchup. I know I, I know I have one that agrees with me. Maybe more. <laughs> uh, but but I like sauces. I like barbecue sauce. When I get ribs, I slather a bunch of barbecue sauce on. And. Uh, But this this tomato sauce was so good, I can still smell it. I can still taste it. But, you know, if you're going to do a garden successfully, it it takes some work. You, You can't just throw some seeds out there in the backyard and then come back a few months later and start harvesting stuff. It doesn't work like that. Now, I could throw weeds out there, and I could get a great harvest of weeds just fine. Uh, th- those grow just fine all on their own, but if I want something uh, profitable, if I want something that I can eat and it'll taste good and be nutritious for me, that's going to take some work. However, planting a garden and, and trying to produce something in a garden is quite a bit different operation than having five, ten thousand 10,000 acre farms. And planting five or 10,000 acres of corn or soybeans or, or whatever it is that those guys plant nowadays. We used to rent from a farmer in southwest Minnesota. And he'd alternate, you know, corn, beans, corn, beans. Uh, and he had, uh, I think it was several thousand acres. Um, he could drop half a million dollars on a brand new combine, pay cash, no problem at all. Uh, he's Don't worry about him. He's doing just fine. Okay, he's, he's doing fine. But uh, <laughs> he's a great guy, wonderful guy. But his operation was a little bit different than our, our, you know, five tomato plants or whatever it is that my wife had. There was a little bit more involved in that, a little bit more logistics, a little bit more planning. Uh, the equipment we had was a rake and a hoe and maybe a shovel. Uh, He had combines and tractors and and trucks and semis and and trailers. I mean, he had the whole shebang. He had all of it. Big silos that he needed to store the stuff and dry it out enough so he could take it to market. And uh, so the differences in the amount of work involved was, I mean, it was night and day difference. I mean, that's what he did. Our job wasn't planting a garden. That's not how we got paid. We we did other things, and that was kind of a supplement. But this is what he did for a living. Differences in the equipment used. Differences in man hours needed. Uh, I didn't really see him do a whole lot, actually, um, between planting and harvest. Because uh, there's just not a lot to do. I mean, he'd go and he'd filter oil and go pound nails and you know stuff like that uh but just not a lot not, not a lot to do but when it was planting season it was all hands on deck they were out there from can't see to can see and it was it was full steam ahead when it's harvest time they're out there until it's done and then it's time for vacation again difference in how serious the work is taken if their crops don't come up that's a big deal if that corn doesn't come up those beans don't come up that's a big deal now back in the day i mean it truly was now they have crop insurance so it's not as big a deal but still i mean that that's a hit if our tomato plants don't come up well then i buy tomato sauce at the store And I miss out on that great tasting tomato sauce. And that's about it. There's certainly a difference in the yield produced. Our farmer friend, they produce a little bit more crops than our garden does. It's different. But it's a different scale. It's a different commitment. If you're learning a new skill or a new career, You quit your job and you go start somewhere else. I know everyone loves being the new guy. I know I do. First day on the job, you don't know anything. You don't know anyone, probably. And you feel kind of useless, but you want to be productive. You want to be useful, but you really can't be. You just kind of stand around there and look dumb because that's all you know how to do. And if you try to do something, it's probably going to be wrong. and, And now someone has to fix your mess. but learning a new skill, a new career. Uh, Most parents today want their children to go on to some form of higher education. And there's a reason for that. Because, generally, we want our kids to grow up and succeed and and maybe get a good paying job. Nothing wrong with working at Walmart. Nothing wrong with working at, at McDonald's or anything like that. Those are good jobs. But, You know, if you plan on raising a family and you want to buy a house maybe someday and have a car, uh, you probably need something more. So, getting some kind of higher education, some kind of uh, vocational training, some kind of training uh, outside of that so that you can get a good paying job. But to do that, you need to dedicate time to study. You need to dedicate time to use those skills that you're learning. You can't go four years and and pass the tests and then expect to go on the job and start doing hands-on stuff if you've never done that before. Can you imagine medical doctors doing that? They go to school a long time. They learn a lot of stuff. But if my surgery is the first time that individual has held a scalpel, that's, that's a problem. I don't want that person testing their skills on me. I want them already tested. Thank you. So we need to use those things. We need to practice. We need to study. And that takes time. That takes dedication. That takes commitment to do that. Sometimes, if you're looking at learning a a topic, whatever that might be, you may discover somewhere along that learning process that I'm going to need to learn other things first before I can actually comprehend enough to learn this. I remember buying a book one time. Uh, I can't remember the name of it. I still have it, and it's still about partway read through. Because I got partway through this, it's it's uh, it talks about the the structure of things, um, why things are the way they are, why is this solid and this gas? You know, why is? Did you know that uh, glass is actually considered a liquid, even in the solid state, because of the way the molecules are arranged? Who cares? But anyway. the point I'm bringing that up is I got partway through this book because I was really interested in the topic, and then they started getting into some pretty heavy math that I hadn't had yet. I mean, in high school, I went all the way to calculus. So, I mean, I, I have a decent background in, in, in math, but this is way beyond me. So I'm like, well, I'm going to I'm gonna have to get some skills in math to, to figure this out. So I got some books on math. Uh, some more advanced calculus. There's something called tensor calculus. Apparently, it was invented by uh, Einstein to figure out the theory of relativity. Uh, I I haven't gotten into that yet. I may never get into that. But anyway, um, so I, I realized to continue learning about this, I needed some other skills first so that I could understand even what they were talking about. So that may be the case, too. Sometimes we, we're, we're trying to advance ourselves. We're trying to, to grow as a person. We're trying to uh, maybe get some new skills on the job. Or we're, we're trying to, to branch off into something else. We're trying to improve ourselves. And, and so we have a goal. This is, this is where I want to be in four years. This is where I want to be in, in six months. You know, whatever it is. And then we start taking steps toward that goal. And if you're anything like me, I get really excited about making goals. I'll sit down and I'll make lists and I'll, I'll I'll have everything, just every point perfect. And I get excited about that. And I slap that on there and I'm going to get it first thing in the morning. And I start doing it. A few days later, it's not so exciting anymore. Because I'd rather be doing something else right now. And that... Really exciting list that, that really got me going a few days ago. I'm starting to dislike that list now. Because it's, it's telling me that I should be doing something I don't want to do. It's telling me that I need to be doing something that I committed to. And now I don't want to. Why don't I want to anymore? Because now I see what it's going to cost. Now I'm starting to taste a little bit of of the things that I'm going to have to give up, even temporarily, so that I can attain these goals. The more serious I am, the more I'm going to progress. If I'm more serious about something, I'm going to dedicate more time, I'm going to be more committed, more motivated and driven to overcome the obstacles that come my way as the obstacles I'm going to face moving toward these goals. If I just want to stay where I'm at, that doesn't take any effort at all. I can just coast and be just fine. But if I want to grow, if I want to move forward as an individual, whatever that means, however I define that, that takes work. That takes dedication. It takes commitment. Doctors aren't doctors because they're necessarily smarter than all of us. I promise you, most everyone here has the intelligence to be a doctor. What we lack is the consistent commitment to move toward that, or the desire to move toward that. Most of us have the capability to be millionaires. Everyone looks at a millionaire, a successful businessman, and they're, oh, must be nice. Must be nice to be that rich. But I promise you, you buy that man or that woman a cup of coffee and talk with them for a little bit, they'll tell you some horror stories. They'll tell you about those times where I had to eat mac and cheese for three weeks, six months at a time because I was putting all the money back in the business working 16, 18, 20 hours a day trying to keep it afloat. You see see me now, yeah, I'm doing okay. I wasn't doing okay a while ago. I think of Jeff Bezos. I don't know if he's the richest man in the world, but certainly one of them. Hundreds of billions of dollars of net worth. There have been a few times in that business's life where People were looking to pick him off. He was this close to bankruptcy a few times. I'm I'm not testifying that he's a good man. I don't know the man. I have no idea. But what I am saying is that we could all do that if we would commit ourselves to that process. And that's really the difference, isn't it? It's not intelligence. It's not skill or talent necessarily. You can pick up a skill or a talent. Sister Barb has been playing the piano. We can all play the piano if we would dedicate the same time to practicing. I, I, kind of, I know what they're saying. You know, they, well, God blessed you with that gift. God bless you. I, I couldn't do that. Well, yeah, you could. What God has blessed you with was is time, a reasonable amount of intellect. And the ability to grow, the ability to learn. If I wanted to play the violin, I could pick that skill up. No, I'm not saying I'm going to be a virtuoso. I'm not saying I'm going to play for the Philharmonic. But I could, I could get competent. I could get where it doesn't sound like a bag of cats being run over. I could get there with enough time and with enough practice, and so could you. When it comes to our walk with God, I hear people say, I've probably said it myself. I know I've thought it. Boy, I wish I had the talent that that individual had. I wish I could do the things for God that that person does. I wish I had the ministry that person has. But am I... Am I willing to commit the time? Am I willing to make the sacrifices necessary to get there? Am I going to be diligent in my walk with God? Here's a question that I've had to ask myself. Are we as committed to our spiritual maturity, our spiritual growth, as we are to our jobs, our hobbies, those things that we want to spend our time in? Are we as committed to those? Are we as committed to our growth in Jesus as we are to our growth secularly? Is it okay for Christians to well, I'll just say it this way. Is it okay for us to think? Is it okay for us to reason? Is it okay for us to study and to learn and to grow? Most every time I start bringing this topic up in a conversation. No, not most every time. A lot of times. I will get something, some derivative of, well, you know, we're supposed to walk by faith. Not by sight. Which is true. We are supposed to walk by faith. But the first problem I have with that response is that people will pull that Scripture out when something is uncomfortable for them. But they're very okay throwing that to the curb when it's something they want to do. For example, if I have to, if I'm trying to, to study a complex or a, a difficult topic out in Scripture, whatever that might be for you, you got a question, you have a doubt, and so you're going to the Word of God, you're going to God in prayer, and you, you, you're trying to dig these truths out. That's work, Folks. Most people would rather just call someone up. Hey, i got a question for you. And then they'll take whatever answer they're they're given. Where's the basis of our faith? We're, We're supposed to walk by faith. What is my faith based in? What am I supposed to be believing? Romans ten seventeen says, So then faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. So apparently, if I'm interpreting this correctly, we cannot have biblical faith, we cannot have a reasonable faith without biblical knowledge. Tell me if I'm straying from, from truth here. I can't have faith not the way God wants me to unless I understand Scripture. That's where our faith is based in. Just have faith. Just have faith in what? Believe what? The Word of God. Faith cometh by hearing. Hearing by the Word of God. Second 2 Timothy 2.15 says, "...study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman." That needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Okay, we've all, most of us have heard that scripture. We understand it. Amen. True. The verses before and after that are kind of telling. They talk about words to no profit, profane and vain babblings that we need to avoid. And then right in the middle of those, study to show thyself approved unto God. God wants our teaching, our preaching, our testimonies to be biblically accurate and profitable. Not just personal opinion or our feelings at the moment. They've got to be based in Scripture. And maybe you've heard some weird things come over a pulpit in your time. I know I have. I've heard some pretty crazy stuff come over a pulpit. I'm like, where in the world did you get that? I hope that was a mistake. That's why I always say, and I'll continue to say, (laughs) make sure I'm in the book, folks. Because I can do that too. I'm not perfect. I take steps to try to avoid that. 1 Peter 3.15 says, Sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. What are they asking for? They're asking for a reason. Give me a reason to believe like you do. Give me a reason to start accepting Scripture. Give me a reason to, to, to give up the stuff that, that the Bible says I need to give up and to receive from God the things He wants me to receive. Give me a reason to live for Him. And we're supposed to always be ready to do that. This means we need to have a reason ourselves. We need to have a reason to live this way. Because people have honest questions, folks. I know I was the same way at one point. You know, someone questions anything I say and I take it personally. I hope I hope no one's like that. Because it's not personal. It's just a question. Well, yeah, you say this and you say that, but what about this? Yeah, but what about that? And they're honest questions, folks. They're not, they're not trying to be argumentative 99 times out of 100. They just want to know. They want a good reason. And there's nothing wrong with wanting a reason. The Bible says we need to have a reason. We need to be able to give them a reason. How do we do that? How do we get to that point? Well, first of all, of course, we're starting with our testimony. Why? Well, let me tell you why. This is what God did for me. After my very first service, I didn't know anything about anything. But some of my friends wanted—they wanted to know how it went and had some questions. I don't know. I have no idea. But this is what God did. This is what I felt. And that was enough. They're yeah, like, well, sounds worth checking out. We don't have a blind, unreasoning faith. We have the exact opposite. We have a reasonable faith. Some people, they're hoping for a reason. But the Bible says we need to have a reason for the hope that's in us. Be ready to give that reason. Study it out. Know it. Be persuaded of it. But that takes work. That takes dedication. That takes commitment. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but just answer to yourself. How many of us would be comfortable if someone gave us a topic that's found in Scripture, how many of us would be comfortable studying that out to the point where we could give a lesson to it? How many of us would be comfortable? Let's say we're talking about the oneness of God. We've heard about the oneness of God forever. We've heard plenty of preaching on it. Could we give a Bible study on it? Would we be comfortable doing that? The character of God. Prayer. Prayer. How many of us would be comfortable trying to teach somebody else how to study the Bible? Isaiah 1 and 18 says, Come now and let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. We know and we understand that we are created in God's image and in His likeness. That means, among other things, That we have the capacity to reason, to learn, to grow. And we need to be doing that. We need to be applying the raw materials that God has given us toward an end. What end is that? God wants us to be Christ-like. He wants us to be like Him. We need to be consistently producing fruit of the Spirit. We should be producing gifts of the Spirit severally as He wills. We should be producing, as Brother DeMuth said, fruit in our lives. Spiritual fruit. All kinds of fruit. And if we're not, we need to take steps to move toward that. This idea that um, I just come into church and get saved... And wait for Jesus to come. Folks, that is an archaic, outmoded, outdated idea. It is not biblical. It was never biblical. It's a carryover from other denominations. and it got into this, even today in in our denomination. There is this idea of a separation between the ministers and the laity. I grew up under that. A lot of us did. I just accepted that. But it's not biblical, folks. It's not. We are all ministers. We are all gifted and talented by God to go out and do great things. That is our purpose. That is why God created us for fellowship with Him, first and foremost. But He's given us work to do, a job, a ministry. And that's what we need to be pursuing in our lives. And if you're still fogging a mirror, if you're still drawing breath, That means that you're not ready to retire yet. I'm sorry. Retirement comes when I get planted. When I'm planted, then I can rest. Then I can exchange my armor and my weapons for robes, white robes of righteousness. But not until then. There's still a fight going on. There's still a war being waged. And we need everybody. We need everybody. We need you to be engaged in this. Not sitting on the sidelines. That's why I've, I've, I've started, uh, and I'm going to take very seriously, development, ministerial development, personal development, getting us from where we're at to where God wants us to be. At the leadership meeting, I this isn't uh, original with me, I read it in a book. And I'm fine with that. I know Brother Arnold doesn't like that. I didn't get this in a book, didn't read it on a tape. God just enlightened my pea brain. Well, I got it in a book. <laughs> That's how He enlightens my pea brain. Amen. So, uh, there's two models, two models of, of churches. One is the lake model, one is the river model. The lake model is where we just try to get a bunch of people to come to my church. The more, the merrier. And that's how we measure success. How many people come on a Sunday morning? Because that's what everybody wants to know, right? How many how many you got in your church? How many people come to church? The river model... Define success a little bit differently. We're trying to get we're trying to move people down the river. We're trying to move people from point A to point B. However many people are in the river, that's who we're working with. So that's the goal, folks. We're not just gonna swim around in the lake. We're gonna start moving forward. Certainly as a church. But the church isn't going to move forward if you don't move forward. We all need to move forward as one body. Amen. I'm starting to feel a little bit of a comfort zone bumping up against here. That's okay. I'm fine with that. I'm okay with that. We do have the, re- the capacity to reason, to learn, to grow. Unlike God, however, we're not going to always reason correctly because we're fallen. And sometimes we're going to decide, I don't want to reason at all. I don't want to think this out. I just I just want someone to tell me what to do. And that's probably part of another model that, that some of us grew up in. Um, Well, more on that later. Okay, reason versus knowledge. The reason I'm bringing this up, (laughs) no pun intended, today in our society there is a dearth of reason and indeed there are a lot of things working against it. Okay? Now, there was a point in the history of mankind where people, when they went to some form of education, they were taught how to think. Okay? They were taught... Critical thinking skills, and not the kind that they're taught today. Critical thinking skills, skills like how to analyze an argument, how to present something uh, logically sound to make sure you, you know, uh, this isn't the purpose, but, you know, premises, the conclusion needs to follow premises, all of that stuff. And if that sounds alien to you, uh, you're making my point. This used to be taught, uh, but it's not taught anymore. Unless unless you go to, to a college philosophy class, you'll probably get it there. Otherwise, uh, nobody gets it. Nobody knows how to form a good argument. Nobody knows when a good argument is presented to them anymore. So you can hear crazy stuff coming from the the talking heads on the news outlet. And you're like, well, yeah, that kind of makes sense. But if we were taught how to think, we could look at those and say, that's way off. So how do we learn how to think? How do we learn how to... Analyze an argument. And I'm not saying this is what we need to do as a church. I'm just using this as an example. People don't know how to do this stuff. People graduate high school, sometimes barely, and thank God, I'm done. I'm done learning. Never pick up a book again in their lives. Folks, Christians cannot be like that. We cannot be like that. We need to be learning. We need to be growing as individuals. If you're not good at reading, well, there's a reason for it. If you have vision, and if you have the intellect to graduate high school, you can read. Now, I'm not saying you're going to read at 1,500 words a minute, okay? I'm not saying you're, you're going to just rush through everything and start reading Shakespeare and quoting it. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying you can pick up a book and plod your way through it. It doesn't matter how long it takes. That's not the point. The point is you're making progress forward. We always say in in spiritual development, some people develop faster than others. And that's true. It's irrelevant. It's not the point. You develop as fast as you develop. As long as you're learning, as long as you're growing, you've got a plan, you've got... God has given you something. Uh, This is what He's called me to do. This is who He's called me to be. So, now I know what I need to be working on. He's called me to be an evangelist. He's called me to to be uh, out there gathering souls in. Okay, well, what what do I need to do to do that? Well, obviously you need an anointing. You need the power of God, all of that stuff. And you're going to be working on that. But there are skills that you can work on. Maybe I need to brush up on people skills. Maybe I need to learn how to hold a conversation. Whatever it might be. But you can work toward that. You can purpose in your heart to dedicate time to, to be a better minister. There are things that you can do. There are things that I can do. And we need to be busy about those things. We do. We can grow. We're not just supposed to sit here and wait for Jesus to move on me. I can pick up a book and start reading about something. I can I can pull up a YouTube video and listen to a preach, preacher preach on something that I need to hear. I can walk, I can go to a seminar on how to study the Bible. I can get a book on it. I can listen to a tape on it. I can ask someone to sit down and show me how to do that. It is. It is scary. How many people have never really studied the Bible? They read it. They have devotionals, and that's—I mean—we need to do that too. We absolutely need to do that as well. But to sit down and figure out for themselves what does this verse mean? How does that apply? It's—it's it's a powerful tool, folks. And if you don't know how to do that, you're not where you need to be. You're not. Because we are also called to disciple. We're called to teach, all of us. We are called to teach, baptize, teach. Matthew 28. We are called to teach the Word of God. Not just the Word of God, but we ought to be able to teach people how to... Learn how to study the Word of God. If I don't know how to pray, I don't pray. How am I going to show you how to pray? Does that make sense? They always say in the business world, uh, find someone who is where you want to be and get in with that person. Ask them questions. Learn from them. Do what they want. Do what they say. You don't want to go to... uh, the 14-year-old that just got a landed a, a job at, at Burger King, and at 14, that's a good job. But he's not going to be able to tell me how to start my own international uh, trading business. Well, he's read a book on it. He, he saw a guy talk about it on YouTube. Well, that's great, but he's never done it. So if we're going to teach people, we need to already be doing it. Leading from the front. Leading from the front. God has placed in us raw materials. And He expects us to do something with them. When we read the parables of the talents. Matthew 25.15 says, He gave unto one five talents, another two, and to another one. We see here, An interesting principle, a principle that some of us won't like, and that is that God doesn't divvy up these talents equally, at least not according to our understanding. Gave that guy five, only gave me one. What does it say, though? To every man according to his several ability. You want more talents? Get more ability. How do you get more ability? Well, use the talents He has given you. Use them effectually. Grow them. Multiply them. Matthew twenty-five twenty-one says, His Lord said unto also uh, verse twenty-three, His Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things; I'll make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. So, what is God looking for when we're using our talents? Results? If I don't produce five talents by the time he comes back, I'm done. Is that that what we're looking at here? He's looking for my faithfulness. Well done, thou good and productive servant. Well done, thou good and efficient servant. Of course not. Faithful servant. He's looking for our faithfulness with the talents that he has given us. Has he given you only one talent? Be faithful in that one talent. Use it. Use it out. Wear it out. Use it for Jesus every chance you get. And be thankful for it. I promise you, you have that kind of an attitude, you're going to get more talents. He sees He can trust you with that. He's going to give you some more. As you exercise and develop your talents, you learn, you grow, God will give you more. Obedience to truth brings revelation of truth. As we submit ourselves to truth, and we obey it, we get more truth. Some people don't understand this. They want to know it all right now. If I know just a little bit, and I'm faithful in what I do know, I'm doing what I do know to do, God's going to keep revealing more. Matthew 25, 26, His Lord answered and said unto him, Thou wicked and slothful servant, Thou knewest that I reap where I sowed not, and gather, gather where I have not strawed. This is going to hit some of us hard, but this is what the Scriptures say. Slothfulness is wickedness. Slothfulness is wickedness. Now, wicked and slothful servant. If we look at Proverbs 15 and 19, it says, The way of the slothful man is as an hedge of thorns, but the way of the righteous is made plain. I find it very interesting that the writer of Proverbs chooses to contrast righteousness with slothfulness and not wickedness. Proverbs 12 and 24 says, The hand of the diligent shall bear rule, but the slothful shall be under tribute. I was speaking with Bishop Parker a few days ago, and he was talking about someone, I don't remember the name, it's irrelevant anyway. But he was telling this individual that, well, you know, you're a Christian. You should be be a leader at your workplace. I thought, that has the ring of truth to it. That really does. As a Christian, we should be the ones out front. We should be the salt and the light. We should be the influencers. We should be the ones having an impact on other people's lives. Not the opposite. Why is it the opposite though? Why are there Christians that are uh, I don't I don't want to do that? I'm don't. i I'm not a leader. I'm very happy just doing this. We should be out front. We should be leaders. There are some people that don't want to be a leader because they're self-conscious. They, they lack self-confidence. Uh, they feel like they don't have the ability. No one listens to me. Whatever it might be. I'm reminded of Moses when uh, he tried to explain to poor old God, because God didn't understand all this either, I can't be a leader, I can't be the deliverer, I can't talk to people. God had an answer for everything. Yes, you can be a leader. Yes, you can be out front. Yes, you can be an influencer. But it's going to take dedication. It's going to take commitment to be that person, that leader, that God wants you to be. Hebrews 5.11 says this, Of whom we have many things to say and hard to be uttered, seeing ye are dull of hearing. I think it's more uh, clarified in the NIV version, so I'll read it there as well. Hebrews 5.11, we have much to say about this, but it is hard to make it clear to you because you no longer try to understand. And that's most of our population today. We're so busy with everything else, there's no time, there's no time, there's no time. I got this and that and the other and, and... you know, most people most people would rather have a day off than, than a raise, than a, than a cash uh, gift. Most people would. Why is that? Because they, they feel like they have no time. And yet, and yet, people always have the time to do everything that they really want to do. They always have the money to do everything that they really, truly want to do. Everybody commits to something. Everybody is committed to something. We need to be committed to a process of spiritual growth. God loves you just just the way you are. He does. He loves you exactly where you're at. Absolutely He does. But it has never been God's plan to leave you there. He also loves you enough to move you forward, to make you more like Him. It's work to apply ourselves to growth and to learning. Good plants don't just spring up out of the ground. It takes work, diligence, sacrifice, commitment to the garden, and endurance to overcome obstacles. And we're not going to learn everything at once. Our learning is progressive. This is something I had to learn myself. When I came into this, I came in at 22 years old, and I felt most everyone else had grown up in this, and I felt like I'm 22 years behind. Good Lord, please help me help me to catch up. And I was trying to catch up. Oh, I was trying to catch up. I was praying. I was fasting. I was studying Scripture every chance I got, reading books, listening to tapes. Trying to catch up. Because Jesus is coming. That's what they were telling me. Jesus is coming back and I I just got into this thing. What in the world am I going to do? Well, my pastor kind of slowed me down a little bit. Other people slowed me down a little bit. They encouraged me. They encouraged me, you know, don't lose that zeal. But it's not going to come all at once. This is a lifelong process. That we're on now. This is a lifestyle now. Of growth. Of learning. That's a lifestyle. If you look at Abraham. His comprehensive command was to start walking. That was it. No direction. Nothing to do when I get there. How do I know when I get there? Where am I going? Just walk, dude. I'll give you the rest later. As he was obedient to the commandment of God, God continued to reveal more to him. And we see in Abraham, he never argued. He never questioned. Never needed more information. Just did what he was told. And as he did what he was told, God gave him more. He was patient And he waited on God in his obedience. Isaiah 28 and 10 says, Precept must be upon precept. Precept upon precept. Line upon line. Line upon line. Here a little and there a little. Again, obedience to truth brings revelation of truth. 1 Corinthians 13 and 11 says, When I was a child, I spake as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. Okay, when we first come to the Lord, Uh, All I can speak of authoritatively is me. When I first came to the Lord, uh, I had some interesting ideas about things. I'm just going to leave it at that. A lot of people do. I had some interesting ideas about who God was and, and how He worked and what the Bible had to say about stuff. As I grew, not only did my knowledge of what the Bible says, not only did that grow, but my whole thought process about everything began to change, began to mature, began to become closer to what what reality is, okay? When I was five years old, I still remember a dream that I had uh, when I was five. I remember a dream I had when I was still in, in a crib. So I remember waking up and seeing the little spinny thing. I doubt it's anything close to what it actually was now. Uh but <clears throat> I remember it was it was a playground when I was five years old. It was a playground and this slide was like eight miles high. And I was climbing, 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 climbing because that's what I was thinking about. We were going to the park the next day. And so that's what was on my mind. I was gonna go get on that white hot metal slide. <laughs> and have a great time, as I was getting well done. But uh, my dreams are a little bit different now. The way I think about things is a little bit different than when I was a child, because I'm hopefully a little bit more mature. Uh, My brain is put together a little bit differently, and so I think about things differently. Our thinking and our learning cannot be limited to, to Scripture itself. OK, and please hear me out before you start casting stones. But we must prioritize developing our gifts and talents as well so as to become more effective for the kingdom of God. Yes, we need to study and apply Scripture. Absolutely. That is the primary. If you're going to do any one thing. Study Scripture. OK. But in addition to that, we should be studying and learning and growing in other areas. If I have low self esteem, for example, I mean, I almost do a whole lesson on that, but there are things that you can do spiritual things and other things. Some of it comes from a lack of understanding, a lot of things come from a simple lack of understanding. We should all be progressing toward God's ultimate plan for us, which is to become Christ like. Exhibiting regularly the fruit of the Spirit. Faithfulness in our ministry, whatever that might be. Both using and continuing to develop our gifts and talents for the kingdom of God. But to get there, we've got to purpose in our hearts to move in that direction. We have to. We can't just wing it, it's going to be on purpose. This is going to take setting off a little bit of slothfulness and becoming diligent in our walk with God. There are some of us here who are relatively new. There are others of us here who have been doing this most or maybe even all of their lives. You've already had effective ministries. You've already done great things for the kingdom of God. I I need you to understand that I am not discounting any of that. Okay? We all of us have a past where we've done things for God. Okay? And those were wonderful times. And we saw God do great things. Wonderful things in our lives. And we need to celebrate those. And we need to thank God for them. But that was yesterday, folks. This is today. When I was, my wife and I moved back down to my home church uh, sometime after we were married. And a lot of my old friends were still down there. It was, you know, it's always different. You move away and you come back. It's different. It's a little weird, but, but it was nice. We got to reconnect and things like that. And invariably, the the conversation would always turn to when we were in the Army and, and things that we experienced in God, services that we attended, when, when Back then, not one time did I hear anything about what God was doing in the present. I didn't hear anything like that. And it honestly, it broke my heart. Because we had some amazing times in God. God was doing awesome things in our lives. But that was yesterday. I'm thankful for what He did. Because of what He did, I am where I am today. But that was yesterday. God is not a God of the dead, but of the living. Yesterday's dead. Okay? Mistakes or successes. There's nothing I can do about yesterday. God's interested in now. Today is the day of salvation. He's interested in what's going to happen tomorrow. That's where God's focus is. If you, if you read through Scripture, it always seems to have kind of a forward focus to it. Most of the prophecies are about things yet to happen. This is what's going to take place. This is what's going to happen. So I want to know what God is doing today. And what God is going to do today is going to be determined by you and by me. The decisions that we make, not just today, but tomorrow, Tuesday, Wednesday, next week, next month, next year, Until Jesus comes or someone plants us. That's the time we have available to us. I don't mean to be so flippant about that, but it's true. I'm not too attached (laughs) to this life anyway. I'm ready to go home. We're going to prioritize those things, those activities that mean the most to us. Brother DeMuth closed his message by saying we need to want to. Absolutely. I am not, and I never will, try to get up here and rah-rah people to serving God, trying to guilt you into serving God or not. Um, That's between you and God. All I'm going to do is I'm going to present the options. I'm going to make myself available if you say yes to God in every way that I can. Because I want to see you succeed. I need to see you succeed. Do you understand that? This city needs you to succeed in God. Your families need you to succeed. Amen. We've got to be everything that God wants us to be. We've got to enter into the ministries that God has called us to. And we're going to prioritize those things and activities that mean the most to us. So if we're going to move forward, it's going to be because you want to. If you don't want to, get together you and God. And have Him give you the desire. The Bible says it is of God both to will and to do of His good pleasure. Because of God, I have the ability and I have the desire to serve Him. They both come from God. If I don't have a desire... I can get desire from God. I don't have desire. I want to have desire of God. I really, I, I really want to be zealous about this. He'll give it to you. He will. We need to find time to engage in these activities. We need to find the money to pay for them. Because again, we're going to find the time. We're going to spend the time. We're going to spend the money to do those things we really, truly want to do. And if it's growing in God... That's where we're going to spend our time. That's where we're going to spend our money. Amen. But we need to be busy. We need to be busy about God's business. Amen. Let's all stand. I am over time.